So let's, let's take a little, uh, little poll that I think will shine some, uh, some light on that. How many of you own a television? Who owns a TV? Uh, who, owns a, who has more than one TV in their house? Uh, good, good, okay. Who has a cell phone? Uh, okay. Uh, who has a cell phone with uh, voice message, text message, and internet access? Uh, okay, good. That's a pretty good percentage of us. Who has at least one social media account? Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even the Bible app uh, that we use, social media account. Who has more than one? Okay, good. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people here. Who has a streaming video service? Netflix, Prime Video, Apple TV, that kind of thing. Now, who here still wonders why we would be distracted from hearing God's voice? Uh, less hands that time, actually. Uh, yeah, just like, just like they lived in a world full of distractions, we just live in a world where there's a lot of noise. I'm not even saying it's good or it's bad. Uh, I would say it's mostly good. It's mostly useful as a tool, but there's just a lot of noise, and it can be difficult to hear what God is saying. And the truth of the matter is, um, sometimes all that noise just sort of covers over a lot of deep pain that we have. And uh, I think hearing from God would be a lot more useful and a lot more helpful than all the noise when it comes to that. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna breathe in. We're gonna look at this section of the Bible. Um, where the people look remarkably similar to us, and they're having a hard time focusing on God's voice. And uh, I think we'll learn some, some interesting stuff. So let me give you a little refresher. Uh, last week was Growth Track Sunday. Uh, thank you for wearing your awesome t-shirt, Joel. Uh, if you weren't here for Growth Track Sunday, I'm sorry. It was really fun. You missed out. You can sign up for Growth Track. Uh, I think probably right there at that huge Growth Track sign is a great place to do that. Uh, if you're looking for the on-ramp to Center Church, what is this place? How do I get to know these people, get connected? Right over there at that huge sign that says Growth, growth Track, uh, you can sign up for some more info right there. So two weeks ago was chapter 17. And this is the big idea that we talked about in chapter 17. If you want to experience God's plan A for your life, you have to embrace God's instructions for your life. You're, you're not going to be able to achieve his plans for your life unless you go his way. That's, that's just sort of a functional, logical reality. He's given us those instructions in his word. Um, but here's what's awesome about God's word. Uh, as my friend Riley said a couple weeks ago uh, on our group chat on the Bible app, uh, he said the Bible doesn't just tell us what to do. Uh, it does do that. But it changes who we are. It doesn't just tell us what to do. It changes who we are. It's so much more than just a rule book or a roadmap for life. It's, it's a life changer. Uh, so two weeks ago, we talked about how to follow God's plan for your life. Today, we're just going to take that one step further uh, and uh, in just trying to discover how we can follow God's plans for our life. But let me ask you this question. If God has laid it out in the Bible, like this is God, like the almighty sovereign, this is his plan for how I should live, why do you think more people don't do it? Like, why do we have such a hard time embracing God's plans for us if it's right there? I think it's because, uh, as Gene Apple says, following God's plan for your life takes uncommon courage. It takes uncommon courage. Uh, if you like to uh, fill in the little blanks on your card, that's the first one. Following God's plan for your life takes uncommon courage. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Uh, everyone likes to do things that are easy. Following God's plan for your life takes uncommon courage. As you read through the Bible, what you see really quickly, and we saw this at the very beginning in chapter one, is that uh, life according to God's plan is a life of faith. That is an inescapable reality. In fact, the book of Hebrews says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Following God's plan for our lives is 
is a life of faith. And in chapters 18, you're going to see the story of an incredible young man named Daniel. And Daniel had extraordinary faith, which led to extraordinary courage. So when we're introduced to Daniel, uh, you can read all about his life in the book of Daniel. Good, good. Bible scholars. Uh, Or you can just read chapter 18 in the story. Uh, When we're introduced to him, he's a teenager, maybe 15, 16 years old, probably like a 10th grader at Jerusalem High School, something like that. Uh, And he's kind of the it guy. He's the one voted most likely to succeed. He's athletic. He's handsome. He's smart. uh, Probably the star of the spear throwing team or whatever they did back then. I don't know, rock chucking. I I have no idea what games they played. And Daniel's just like an it guy. He's going to grow up. He's going to be the bachelor. He's going to marry the beauty. He's going to have a successful career and live on a massive estate. And on the weekends, he's going to win Ironman and CrossFit competitions. That's kind of what Daniel is. Like off the cuff, I kind of hate Daniel. I'm not going to lie. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, But that's that's who he is. Like he's he's kind of an it guy, as you'll you'll see. Uh, But God had other plans for Daniel. Uh, It wasn't going to be a perfect, smooth, easy life for Daniel. He was going to need some uncommon courage in his lifetime. Uh, Daniel's life changed forever uh, when, as history uh, records for us, the Babylonian Empire came and just took over the nation of Judah, uh, and they invaded and deported most of the Jews who were living there, uh, including Daniel and thousands of others, uh, away to Babylon, which is now in, which is in what we know as modern-day Iraq. So he's, he's hauled away to a foreign country. Daniel found himself as a young man in a foreign country, uh, really pretty confused, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, just, just uh, in a foreign land, not knowing the place, but also not knowing the culture, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So to get the picture of Babylon, you might just imagine uh, decadence, opulence, wealth, loose morals. Like imagine if you had a 16-year-old, uh, right? I said 16, not 18, and you sent them away to college but like their college was on the Las Vegas Strip. It would probably be something like that, right? Like you're not gonna be like, oh yeah, deuces, see you in four years. Uh, like that would cause some anxiety for a parent and definitely for the kid, right? Now that's kind of what it's like for Daniel. So let's pick up Daniel's story. Uh, I believe it's on two, page 249 in the story if you're reading along. It's Daniel chapter one, verse three. It says, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, uh, names aren't what they used to be, that's for sure, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So if you're having trouble getting your head around that, just think young Pastor Rick, okay? Bring them in here. Get the best, the brightest, the smartest, the most athletic, the best looking. Bring them in here. They're going to serve the king. And his orders were to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So the king decided he was going to find the best and brightest, and he was going to bring them into his service, and they were going to be put into this special program where they would learn the Babylonian culture. 
Uh, for, it was three years, and they would learn how to talk like Babylonians, walk like Babylonians, think like Babylonians, act like Babylonians. I feel like the Bengals should have probably made their song. You know, but that was, like, that was a total Gen X joke, and we don't have that many. So humor me on that one, okay? Just, just laugh even if you don't get it. Uh, we're the forgotten generation. Uh, so the plan was this. This is a really, like, this is a tricky plan. This is a, actually a really, really smart plan. The Babylonians can go, in, go to war and put shackles on the people and haul them back as slaves. But what they decided to do was get the best and brightest, uh, the leaders in their culture, and indoctrinate them into Babylon. Make them look like Babylonians, knowing that if the leaders go there, the people that everybody wants to be like, the cool kids, everyone else is going to eventually follow. Or follow. That's a lot better solution than war, is it not? That was, their, that was their plan. And what they did to start with, get this, was they changed their names. Think about the significance of that. You spent your whole life being Daniel. You spent your whole life being Karen, but now you have a new name, a new identity. That was step one. They were attempting to make Daniel and his friends leave God behind and embrace the new norms of Babylonian culture. You might not literally get a new name when you enter out into various streams of culture in our society, um, but it definitely will indoctrinate you. Maybe not intentionally, uh, it's probably strong language, um, but it's easy to get reeled in, I guess is my point. So the first thing that we're going to see in Daniel's life as we read on is that uncommon courage begins with an advanced decision. The The next line on your card right there, uncommon courage begins with an advanced decision. It was true for Daniel, it's true for me, it's true for you. If you want your principles to hold up under pressure, okay, when the moment of compromise comes, if you want to stay who you are, you better decide who you are before you get to the moment of compromise. Okay? Uh, uncommon courage begins with an advanced decision. So Daniel and his friends, they're given this special opportunity to enjoy the finest food uh, at the king's table made by the king's own kitchen staff. Uh, I know some 16-year-old boys. Uh, not many of them are going to pass on that opportunity, right? It's like ravenous wolves. They're going to pounce on that. But Daniel remembered a commitment that he had made to observe God's laws. And one of them, according to the Jewish law, was not to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols. Uh, so Daniel has made this commitment. He's decided already. He's made an advanced decision. And this is what it says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel decided in advance. Don't don't miss the importance of that. Uh, We know that because he's 16 years old and he hasn't defiled himself yet. And he's not about to start today. Uh, Have you ever made a decision in the pressure of a moment Uh, Maybe where everybody else is going this direction or someone's pushing you to go this direction and you're like, "Ah, I don't know what to do. Okay. And then later regretted it. Uh, That could easily have happened to Daniel. And in fact, that did happen to many of his counterparts. But Daniel had decided in advance. So he makes this proposal to the chief official uh, who was really reluctant. If you read the story, he was reluctant to give in to Daniel's proposal because he feared the king. And so Daniel just starts moving down the org chart. It kind of gets down to like, I don't know, like the athletic trainer or the nutrition coach, whatever it might have been. Uh, 
He moves down the org chart until he gets somebody who will listen. And this is basically his proposal. He says, hey, let me and my three friends, let us just eat vegetables and water. And uh, just let us eat vegetables and water. And in 10 days, we'll see who looks better, us or everybody who's been eating at the king's table. Uh, you know, sometimes I say the trouble's not knowing what to do. It's actually doing it. Uh, in this case, I think we already know who looks better, right? If we were all to guess, uh, lo and behold, the ones who ate vegetables and drank water look healthier at the end. Daniel took a chance, took a risk. He, he risked looking like uh, the naysayer, an outsider, the troublemaker. Uh, but it didn't matter to him because, as it said in verse 8, Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He resolved it. He had made a decision in advance. Listen, uh, the people I know who honor God, who get to the finish line, they get to the end of their life with their character intact. They get to the end of their life and their children say honoring things to them. Uh, the people I know who get there made an advanced decision to do so. Nobody, nobody accidentally drifts up to that finish line. Uh, the people who I know whose marriages flourish over a lifetime uh, have made an advanced decision somewhere in the past that we're going to stick together and we're going to be faithful to each other all the way to the end. Uh, the people I know who live in financial freedom made an advanced decision not to be impulsive, uh, to be thoughtful about how they spent. People who acknowledge, I can't control everything. I can't control everything that comes at me. But as far as it depends on them, they have resolved, they've made an advanced decision about the things that matter. The people I know who finish well made an advanced decision to do it. Now, in my opinion, the statement about Daniel, that Daniel resolved not to defile himself, is the defining statement of Daniel's life. Now, there are some incredible stories, amazing things that happen to Daniel if you read his story. But this right here, Daniel resolved not to defile himself, is the defining statement of his life. And for us, we got to look at that and say, you know what? If I want to save myself all kinds of potential trouble and pain and heartache down the road, I can make the same decision right here, right now. If you want to position yourself to be on the receiving end of God's blessing, you can make the same decision right now. We can resolve right now. This is what Job 17, 9 says. It says, the righteous hold to their way, meaning they stay on course. They keep moving forward. So if you're on course right now, you can still make the decision. I'm following Christ no matter what. I'm following Jesus no matter what, all the way to the end. And if you're not on course, turn around. You can make that decision right here in that moment. Just like Daniel drew a line before the temptation came. He'd already decided. Before before you end up in the position of compromise, before you're tempted to be dishonest, uh, before you're tempted to be unfaithful, before you start engaging in that thing that you wouldn't want your parents or your spouse to know about, make an advanced decision. Choose today who you'll serve. And here's why I think you should do that. Because it's very likely that your life will either be defined by your decision to be a person of godly character or your decision not to. Your advanced decision about who you're going to belong to and how you're going to live and who's going to be God in your life will likely be the thing that defines your life. Now, we all know some people who made it to the finish line really well, and that decision to follow Jesus and to submit to God, that paid dividends in their life. And we all know people whose lives were a complete wipeout and they destroyed every good thing in their life because they chose not to. We all know both. 
Choose today. So here's what I want to do. Following God's plan for your life takes uncommon courage. And uncommon courage begins with an advanced decision. So we're going to just call a timeout. And I just want to give you the opportunity to make a decision about how it's going to be for you. Lord, thank you that you have set before us right now life and death, blessings and curses. You sent your son into the world to hang on the cross and pay for our sins. He defeated death on our behalf when he rose again so that we can walk in your blessing and friendship with you. And you've given us the choice right now. Lord, give us the courage to resolve in our hearts how it's going to be that you are the Lord, that we will commit to the things that you have said are best for us. We choose that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so there's incredible stories in the book of Daniel, including, if you're wondering whatever happened to his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they have a very famous and incredible story. It's also recorded in there. Uh, We only have time for one more instance. So the second principle, I guess the last blank that's on your card there that I just want you to see in Daniel's life is that God honors courageous devotion. God honors courageous devotion. Uh, I'm not a like cultural naysayer, like I'm not a culture hater. Uh, we live in the world that's full of people and they're all imperfect. That's just a reality. The, one of the byproducts of that in our society is that it's very easy for us to enter and exit relationships. Uh, and it's very easy for us to enter and exit commitments. And how awesome would it be for us to just say, you know what? We're going to be people of courageous devotion. That makes you unique in our world today. Uh, And don't trade what makes you unique for what makes you common. So in Daniel's lifetime, he distinguished himself as a person of character. Not surprisingly, because of that, he gained favor with the kings. Oh, I can't believe they actually trusted the guy who was trustworthy. That's so hard to believe. Uh, Well, later on, later in Daniel's life, uh, there was a new king. His name was Darius. Uh, Looks like Darius, but pronounced Darius. Uh, And he planned to put Daniel in charge of the entire kingdom. That's how much favor Daniel had gained because of his character. Uh, And because of that situation, all of the king's yes-men hated Daniel. Uh, So late in Daniel's life, they concoct this plan to get rid of him. It's on page 257 in the story. It's Daniel 6.4. It says, at this time, the administrators and satraps decided to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They're trying to get rid of him. It says they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Did I mention at the beginning that Daniel's kind of like, he's not trying to act superior. He just is superior. Like, "Ah, I don't know what to do with Daniel for sure. Uh, but, But he's in this spot where he's gained all of this authority. He's resolved to do things God's way. And lo and behold, he's gained favor with the king. But let's just try this. Let's take that same sentence from verse 4 and let's just try to insert your name in there. You want to throw that one up there for me? Thank you, Tiana. It says, they could find no corruption in blank because he or she was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So, uh, for instance, I put my name in there. They could find no corruption in Kelly because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Okay, let's try this. Let's read it out loud together, and you put your name in there. I'll put my name in. You ready? Muster up the strength. Here we go. They could find no corruption in Kelly because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Let me ask you a question. Was that a true statement? 
Don't say it out loud. You, you, you keep that. You, you just talk that in. You know, you don't have to, like, blurt it out. Is the statement still true if your name is on the line? That's, that's the big question that I'm really asking. Um, I hope it is. For me, I hope people can say that about me. Uh, I, I sure want that to be true. Well, uh, the other leaders, they concoct this plan to get rid of Daniel, uh, and they go to the king with flattery. Oh, king, you're the greatest king. You're the best king. You're the greatest king of all time, the greatest king in the history of kings and all the kingdoms that ever kinged. You're the best king. Here's what we should do. We should have a 30-day law that for 30 days, no one is allowed to worship anybody except you. No gods, no idols, no anything. They can only worship you, and the penalty for breaking this law will be death. And the king, of course, gets, you know, kind of consumed by his own self-importance, and he says, yeah, let's do it. That's a great idea. You guys are awesome. What did they know that the king wasn't thinking of? Two things. One, they knew that there was, uh, there was no way Daniel was going to worship the king, and there was no way he was going to stop worshiping God. They were on to this. Uh, because Daniel had decided a long time ago who he was going to be. So King Darius signs it into law. He's just consumed, intoxicated by his own self-importance. Uh, thank God that never happens to any of us. That was sarcasm. Uh, on page 258, Daniel 6.10, it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Because Daniel had resolved before, I'm going to follow God. Come what may, come who may, I am going to follow God. He didn't care who was looking. Uh, he didn't have regard for the potential trouble. He didn't hide. In fact, he prayed in front of the open windows. Like, I wouldn't have blamed Daniel if he just closed the windows and done his own jam. I wouldn't have thought anything of it. But he did what he had always done because he had always resolved Daniel had decided. So Daniel's adversaries, they find out, they see who he is, and they come to the king with sadness. Oh, king, it's such a tragedy. It's so horrible. But we must be Daniel. Daniel's in trouble. And the king is overwhelmed with sorrow uh, because he had an unintended consequence. He hadn't seen this coming. He realized he'd made a huge mistake. So King Darius orders that Daniel be thrown into the pit of lions. Uh, we know it as the lion's den. What they would do is they would capture these animals and basically just antagonize them and starve them so that when it was time to, you know, punish someone, uh, they, would, they would just pounce. Uh, in some situations, they would actually make sport of it. Uh, if you've ever seen Gladiator, you probably know what I'm saying right there. Um, so, so let me ask you a question. Uh, you think Daniel had uncommon courage and he spent time with God on a daily basis, right? We see those two things playing out. But let me ask you a question. Did he have uncommon courage and spend time with God? Or did he have uncommon courage because he spent time with God? I think there's an obvious cause and effect relationship. Now, if you're in a spot where you're afraid, you're concerned, you don't know what to do, do what Daniel did. He had uncommon courage because he spent time with God on a daily basis. This is why Pastor Rick and I are constantly saying, uh, get the Bible app, start a reading plan. Grab the story, read along, spend time with God daily. Uh, uh, listen to uh, Bible teachers on podcasts. Listen to worship music. Do things to, to build yourself up. Because when you learn to rely on God's presence on a daily basis, when the moment of trouble comes, and it will, you'll be ready. Ephesians 6.13. Put on the full armor of God 
so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. This is, this is what Daniel had been doing. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. That's exactly what Daniel did. Let me just read the, read the rest of it to you. Uh, Daniel 6, 16. It says, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. Last sentence, check this out. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. No wound was found uh, because he trusted in his God, cause and effect. No wound was found because he trusted God. Daniel put on the full armor, and when the day of evil came, what happened? He was able to stand. God honored Daniel's uncommon devotion. Interestingly, uh, Daniel's uncommon devotion didn't just save his life, it actually changed the lives of everyone in his sphere of influence. Uh, For you, that might be your household. Uh, In his case, it was the entire nation. Daniel 6.26 says, uh, the king's talking, he says, I issued a decree, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of King Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel was in his 80s at this point. He's near the end of his life. Uh, He's he's in his probably late 80s when he's thrown into the lion's den. Uh, But he was a teenager back when he resolved to follow God. No matter who came into his life, no matter what came into his life, he decided that he was going to live a lifetime of uncommon courage. So I want to say to everybody here, no matter what age you are, Look at Daniel and then start today with the end in mind. If you're married, love your spouse with uncommon devotion. Don't trade what makes you unique for what makes you like everyone else. If you have children, teach your kids, raise them to be people of uncommon faith. Don't teach them to be like everybody else. If you have friends, family around you, people that you care about, serve them with uncommon selflessness. Don't, don't just show them what everybody else does. Let's be people of uncommon character. Now, last thing. You may have heard me say from the life of Daniel, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about him and how he had this amazing courage and this amazing devotion, and, and it might occur to you that, okay, well, if I just do enough of the right things and avoid enough of the wrong things, uh, then God will bless me. 
The problem with that belief is that it's not possible for you to do enough of the right things and avoid enough of the wrong things. We're actually powerless in and of ourselves to be good enough for God to bless us. The reason we live lives of devotion is out of gratitude, not to earn his favor. And that's why the Bible explains that we need a savior. We need a savior. So let's just finish uh, with this passage from Romans 5. I'm actually going to ask you to stand with me, if you would. Romans 5 and verse 6. This is our source of inspiration. Um, Having good character, having godly character is really hard. It's a hard thing to sustain for a lifetime without the proper motivation. And so um, I just want to try to the best, uh, the best degree possible for us to just absorb what these verses are saying. Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome. He says, you see, at just the right time, God knew the exact right time. And the implication is there was a whole bunch of other times, but they weren't the right time. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Have you been ungodly at some point in your life? You're exactly the person that he died for. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person. Also rare, but more likely, for a good person, someone might possibly dare to give up their life. But God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were neither righteous nor good, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The reality of that situation is that when you were faithless to him, God showed uncommon devotion to you. How about that? Uh, man, I just, I feel so undeserving of that. And the truth is, I'm not. It's not because I'm deserving. It's because his unfailing love goes farther than you could ever go no matter how far you wander away. How about that? Isn't that incredible? God showed uncommon devotion to me when I was faithless to him. What better reason to live for him? Let's pray together. God, thank you that your devotion to me is unfailing no matter what. God, that you have decided to love each and every one of us no matter what comes along, no matter who comes along, no matter where we go, we can't get away from your love. So God, I pray that you would give us the courage to embrace what makes us unique. To embrace the fact that we are your children. We are loved by you. That we are forgiven by you. That we are defined by your grace. We're defined by the name that you give us. That we are, in fact, sons and daughters of God through your son, Jesus Christ. So God, we choose today, and every one of us who makes this commitment in our heart, we choose right now by faith in your son who died on the cross to pay for our sins and rose from the grave, defeating death for us. God, we choose to follow you. I pray that you would give us uncommon courage in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Speaking of handsome young men. Thanks, bro. Hey, I just have two really quick announcements.